This episode of Lucas Tigers and Browns is brought to you by PWCC. Head over to pwccmarketplace.com and register. It only takes a few minutes and it's 100% free. There you'll find weekly auctions with thousands of items, all starting at $10, closing every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You have to be registered to bid. They have the most transparent buyer's premium feature in the industry and extended bidding like no other auction house. Give it a try. You might find something you love. Luca Nation, welcome back to the Fractional Report with Cage and Goldberg. The Fractional Report before opening bell brought to you by Collectible. Um, Got to say thank you guys, all of you guys listening, participating, commenting. I, our engagement is through the roof. It, it's funny, in the last few weeks, people, I've gotten to kind of know a lot of people that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to know recently. I don't know, like I've done calls with people, exchanged DMs, and everyone thinks of us as some kind of big podcast I keep hearing. I don't know if this has come up with you too. Um, I personally don't feel that way, and I well, you don't think we're you're still the, the 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 little guy on the totem pole that's just trying to earn their keep. And I think the preparation, the work ethic that we put in, is I'll, I'll speak for myself, but you can speak. Is I still think of myself as the little guy. I still think of, we have a lot to prove, and um, hopefully the episodes you guys tune into. You leave feeling you've gotten value. You leave feeling that the hosts got the most out of the guests we brought or, or the hosts, you know, did their research, did their homework. They're in the thick of things. They're giving you guys information to get you to third base. And then it's on you guys to get home. You could steal home. You could get another. But our goal is to get you to third base and help you guys make better buying decisions, whether that was with fractional with slabs or with prop bets and all that other fun stuff that we do. I love it, man. I mean, listen, um, as far as the big podcast, I mean, the two of us combined are, you know, nearly 500 pounds. So we're pretty big. I told you that um, in confidence. People don't, I mean, but I've lost weight, so it's okay. But people don't realize just how gigantic you are because they just see this, you know, this chiseled, you know, well manicured facial hair look that you got going on. They see this and they think, you know, he's a, he's a plus. You're always called not me the for big public guy. consumption. When I weighed myself and I sent you that picture, I didn't. I wasn't talking about how much weight. I mean, the the thing that I thought most about that picture you sent me about when you weighed yourself was your toes. I mean, you got hammer time going on in your feet. You can better <laughs> take care of those feet a little bit. You know, we'll just wear socks next time you send me a picture because it's just awful. I haven't just been to badness. my favorite massage parlor in a little while, but I'll get it. Boca Raton's known for some good ones. I've, this is what I've been told by you. By Robert Listen, Kraft. yeah, well, you know, he's uh, that's an interesting character. Listen, football, another crazy week, another crazy week. And if you know, if if you happen to listen to you know podcasters out there that preach caution and say be careful with your you know your ultra modern and your quarterbacks and all these unproven guys, um, you know, maybe you're sitting pretty today. You know, maybe you uh, maybe you didn't dump your entire fortune into Justin Herbert, who's one and two, or I mean, he's injured, or you know Trey Lance, who's also injured, or um, maybe you did put your whole money into Tua. I, I don't know. I don't know what exactly you know you've done with your money, but what a crazy, crazy season! But, but even Col that, I mean, you have so much parity. Okay, Tua, but that Good run word. looks like it could be at the end of the at the like any week. It could be the end of the run. And then Josh Allen looks fantastic, but then it looks like he's going to take a season-ending hit any play. Yep. I, yep. I can't imagine. 
I'll tell you guys, you know, they say hard times make uh, uh, weak, uh, hard times make strong men, strong men make great times, great times, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you are a Josh Allen holder, talk about hard times. Like you watch him play on a week to week basis, you have an iron stomach. You should go compete with Joey Chestnut at the <laughs> hot dog eating fair. That's how tough Josh Allen holders are. So respect to them. See, do you remember we we ended yesterday, uh, yeah, last week's episode, and I said, hey, you know what? It was a card I would have liked to have talked about. And um, I said, this is a cool card. I didn't realize it was autoed, you know, until we were, like, flashing through. Like, it was just one of those things I was looking at afterwards. And I showed you the card, and we looked at it, and you're like, wow, it's autographed. It's autographed. Do you remember what card it was? you remember it was the, the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, 04 Exquisite Dual Logo Man Auto Card. Remember that one? And I was like, wow, it's down. Like it, like somebody liquidated, somebody like, you know, tr- must have tried to get out and knew their position. That card was up 85% this week. <laughs> I didn't buy any of it. I didn't re- I wasn't able to get in on any of it. But uh interesting stuff. I think um, I think cards like that are a reset of creative pricing. So yes. if that card hits a collector, a one of ones, two of two laundry tags. I think if it really gets into the hands of someone who's like, I've wanted this card, it got away from me, now it's a second opportunity to uh, to kind of get back in, you might not see that card resurface for a long time. Obviously, this is an example with Fractional. Mm-hmm. So we, we all, but those types of cards is a lot of what I'm thinking about, the the really rare stuff. Not the, not the fake one-of-ones that we see all the time. The true one-of-ones, like that card. That's so let me ask you a question. Because we're allowed to have these discussions. We're allowed to have discussions about fractional. And, you know, the last couple of weeks with me doing my, you know, portfolio management, which it's basically I – haven't, I haven't changed since the first time we bought because there's not a lot of liquidity on it. Um, and if I were to show you a, a screenshot of, of our portfolio, our $1,000 investment looks like it's worth $1,100 right now. But it's really not. The last trade on the Mahomes um, – um, the last trade on the Mahomes uh, RPA National Treasure out of ninety nine, you know the true RPA, was is significantly higher than what the the most recent ask was on Friday. So like there are people willing to sell now lower than what the last trade was. It just hasn't traded at that lower price, so it's definitely worth less than that. But if you just look at the chart, it's there, and it, it got me thinking two things. And I, I'll ask this, and I'd love for you to take it in both these directions. Number one, I don't want it to come across like we have. Um, an issue with the liquidity or an issue with this. And I think it's fair to say that the observation I have is that with the fractional space right now, it might not be for someone who's looking to get their money in and money out immediately. That is liquidity, right? You know, we, and we see it, we saw it. I mean, guys, go check out Cardboard Chronicle, Josh's story where he talks about, you know, the cards that sold in gold and PWCC, you know, and, and, you know, one he points out is that somebody bought a card a couple of months ago and just sold it. I think they bought it a couple months ago for like 200000 and just sold it this weekend for like 100 and something thousand. It took a loss. Now, they took a loss, but they wanted liquidity and maybe moved their money into something else. The, that liquidity, the ability to buy, sell, you name it, it's not there right now. But does it have to be? And, and I, you know, I get messages asking me about the platform, my thoughts on it, has it changed you know, since we since we've actually put some money on it and paid attention to the bids and the asks and all that stuff. And my answer is, 
if you remember when I put the money in, I bought a lot of these things with like a combined rationale. One, I was buying them before auctions and thinking, all right, if there's a huge run up in vintage, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm positioned well. But if there isn't, I'm still positioned well because I don't need to take this money out. I'm not looking to day trade with it. I'm not looking to buy on a, a, a Tuesday, sell the following Monday and, and catch it. Sure, if there's a run up, maybe I will. You know, I'll sell here and there if, if it's the right. But, but that wasn't the purpose of buying it. The purpose was, you know, to have your money in and, and, and not need it out. And I think that right now is a reasonable place for fractional. Right. If you're looking to buy something that is something you can't get anywhere else and you keep your money in it and let time do its thing. That's number one question. I can stop there and let you comment on it, or I can tell you my second issue. So fractional is not going to be for the James Harden type of shooters, but it will Correct. be for the guy that wants to go 75% but take four shots. So yeah. if you are able to pick your spots, I mean you have the Will Chamberlain jersey, that's an incredible example. Yep. IPO'd at 1.2, it's trading at 2.4, got an offer for 3 million, and it was rejected. I'm surprised by that. But if you pick your spots and you see Gabe Warren, true photo match of legends, like how many Wilt Chamberlain full uniforms are there? If you pick your spots, I think you could shoot 75% and do extremely well. I think, you know, the Wilt was, uh, I think, um, you know, a response to the Jordan. Yeah, the Jordan jersey so. at ten and change, so you know, wilt at three seems you know, reasonable. And I'll probably, I'd venture to say, you know, there's probably less wilts out there. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting stuff to watch. The second thing is this: it's it's a legit question, I think. Right? We spent a lot of time this week talking about creative pricing, and part of the premise there is that somebody can take an item and buy it privately and hold it for a couple of months, six months. Two months, put it in a different holder, right? They can hold it for as long as it is. I mean, you don't really have to when it's a private purchase. Nobody knows what you bought it for. So obviously you don't want to buy it and then just put it right on the market, right? But you can buy it, start storytelling, be creative and set a price for it because nobody knows what you bought it for. You know, my my best example is the Messi from Norway slash France slash by way of, you know, shy way vlogs hands. And, um, you know, nobody knows what they got it for. Um, you know, he can, you know, he can, you know, spin a yarn about how it's a $12 million card because it's only one out there and he's the greatest and it's gold. You know, I mean, and, and that's the whole thing about creative pricing and not being able to have a data point on it. You lose that with fractional, don't you? Is there any way to creatively price these items or when somebody is, quote, unquote, taking something off the market, automatically it's going to have a comp. It's going to have a price. It's going to have something that it's bought out for that establishes that baseline that people are going to be like, all right, well, we know you bought that off of collectible and you paid $3 million for that wilt. You can't just tell a story about how it's really worth five and try to sell it six months later. What are your thoughts about that? I feel like the items that have done really well on uh, collectible have either been performance driven and super scarce or a combination of the two. Like the one that came to my mind was the Jason Tatum Flawless Mm -hmm. 10-10. Yep. So that one got bought out during his best period in the NBA season. 
And that's a card that is vertical, on-card auto, and it was a 10-10 designation, which in this cycle of people love that for PSA. So it was like a collision of factors where it was that is creative pricing, right? It's what is that worth? You get a 10-10 auto. People love that. You have an on-card auto. You have a vertical rookie card. And you have him playing at the best point in his career. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's what Fractionals is is made for. These performance-driven, one-of-one, or super, super rare items. Right, but that card gets taken off the market, and you can't be, you know, it's taken off, and you know what the price is. Like, Fractional can't, they can't let somebody buy something and keep it quiet what they're buying it for, because people have to vote on it. For sure, okay. So, I mean, it's, it's setting a new comp. Does that then limit the upside for that item? Oh, I see what you're saying. One of the benefits of a buyer buying something in private is they have the potential upside of a creative price. So Correct. They, they still have a little – oh, that's an interesting take. I, I didn't think of that. Yeah, and with fractional, because it's public and because everybody has to vote on it, once – I mean, use the Wilt, for example, right? Like if there was a Wilt jersey out there in the wild – Right, and someone was able to buy it for three million dollars, but no one knew they were paying three million dollars for it. They could come out, buy it for three, not tell anyone that it was bought for three, and go on a publicity tour with whoever you know what I mean, and go on TV or whatever it is, and put this in a museum, and then say this is worth more than the ten million that Jordan sold for because there's probably one tenth of the amount of Wilt uniforms out there, so this should sell for fifteen or twenty. It's harder to tell that when it's a $3 million buyout offer that gets, quote, accepted. I mean, this one got you're, rejected. You're thinking of taking things off the market. Correct. Actually bringing things on the market is where the creative pricing comes yep. into play, i.e. the Ruth uh, Baltimore News SGC3. Yep. If yeah. this Ruth sells for this and this Ruth is this, and by the way, hush, hush, maybe there is a buyer out there who would pay 8 mil. We want to offer it to you guys for 7-2. I think – the creative pricing works in the direction of bringing it to the collectible platform, not taking it off. And where maybe a platform like collectible should be given a little bit of uh, grace with how the pricing is done. Cause here we have spent a whole week talking about how somebody can get creative with pricing when there aren't data points on it. And I mean, that Baltimore news Ruth, how do you price something like that? Look, collectible is, is the man in the arena. They're, they're, yeah. They have this bold vision, this bold dream of, making insanely rare, only available for the top 1% assets available for retail investors. But with that incredible dream comes the execution, which is so difficult. And pricing is difficult even without the complications of the SEC. Adding all these loop, not these loopholes, adding all these complexity where let's say the price today and then it goes IPO in three months, we know how much that could change. It's, it's a very difficult model to execute. I would um, Listen, I think you're uh, um, 100% correct on it. Um, it's fun. It's just these are the things that I think about when we talk about fractional and kind of like where fractional is heading and, you know, the future for, you know, the items that are on collectible. I love seeing the, the, the buyout offer. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was rejected like 9 out of 10. I think it might have been 90% or more rejected if I remember reading the email. Um you know, it's one of those items that, you know. You know what it is? It's becomes... When you have like a $5 parlay to win 350 bucks, you're not going to cash out even though you're at 132 Because the numbers are smaller, that 
literally what IPO'd at 1.2, 3 million. That's 150%. Yeah, about. That's an insane return, but maybe because somebody put in a hundred bucks, they're going to vote no for the 250. I mean, I like to think that maybe they're holding out for 5 million. So who knows? Who knows? I know what you're saying. It's a smaller number, so it's easy to just say no. But um, yeah, fun stuff. So a, a couple of, of PWCC comps that are relevant, if I'm allowed to throw these out there. The O3 Ultimate Collection LeBron BGS 9.5. One sold on PWCC for $90,000. There is one on collectible with, with higher subgrades. That was down two and a half percent this week to seventy thousand five ninety. So again, there's a nicer version, nicer subgrades, higher subgrades on collectible trading at seventy thousand five ninety, and the one on PWCC sold for ninety thousand dollars. So a significant, you know, increase, almost thirty percent there, um, you know, below, um, and better subgrades. So it's just one to keep an eye on. Um, we t- we've talked about the 79 OPG Gretzky a million times. We've seen it sell for, depending upon the copy. Remember, obviously, every copy is different, but just the headline as we talk about on this, the one on fractional was up slightly on Friday, up 3% to 110,000. PWCC had one sell for 132. So I want to talk about that card. So I came in. <laughs> you guys have noticed I'm coming in with maybe one or two topics. I want to kind of narrow my scope. And there's a market I'm very worried about, and it's actually against our own interests. And there's a market Uh-oh. that I feel confident in. And sometimes in, a, in what we're seeing here when there is a little bit of a – let's call it a correction. Who cares what word we use? Down market. Not losing money is winning. Sometimes we forget that. Yeah. I think the safest market right now is vintage hockey. There's not a lot of vintage hockey out there, just in okay. general. And you know the main guy. And I'll be even more specific. The Gretzky 9. The Gretzky 9 is essentially the 10. The two 10s out there, one's never going to be sold. The other one sold a few times, so you got to believe that that's in the hands of a collector. This PSA 9 Gretzky OPG, I'm confident this is going to hold value with potential upside. And not losing value is in a market like this is actually a win. So I feel yeah. I want to come in here. The market I feel the most confident is that Gretzky 9, the Gretzky 8s. I think that's a very strong market. All right. I mean, I've always likened that to the Jordan 10, but the difference is there's significantly less population. Um, But keep in mind, while there's less pop, there's also a tops version, which is, you know, valued less, but does provide an alternative for, you know, people to invest. OPG is the one. OPG. Yeah, it's hockey. And it's it's an Edmonton Oilers card. You You actually went right into the market I'm the most concerned with. The Jordan market. The Jordan market is the one market that actually hasn't really corrected as much. It's coming down that 10 little by little by little by little. But it's not – It's and what worries me is if the bottom does fall out. Now, you own that card. You know that card. You could counter it completely. Remember how we talked about the double correction and buying – you know, it got hurt twice. So now's the time to buy because it, it might not go any lower from what we've seen. I don't feel that that card has found the bottom. Well, I mean, it has been slightly bleeding down yes. during this entire market, but it's entire. still up significantly from where it was. I mean, it depends on what you, you know, it depends on what you, what you think. Um, I think 
and I've been saying this for a while, although the last couple of sales are, you know, are slightly lower. You know, I, I was of the, under the impression that, you know, a 180, 185, 200, that vicinity was going to be the, you know, the, the last, you know, stand for it. One sold, I mean, what was with buyer's so 145 and then 174, like, like 173 or whatever the heck it worked out to is the last sale following a 180 sale. I mean, part of that is, as we keep saying, you had a 180 sale on Thursday and then a 173 sale on Saturday. That shouldn't surprise people. The difference now becomes when's the next one come up for sale? And if another one comes up for sale in a week or two or three, yeah, it becomes problematic. You know, you know, there's only so many people who are buying it. But I do believe that card, if not fully bottomed out, is very, very close to it. Because listen, people are going to start taking their money out of the risky plays very soon. And what I mean by that is people are seeing Justin Herbert at one and two. People are seeing Trey Lance get injured. People are seeing Mahomes not look fantastic. People are seeing Joe Burrow at one and two. Um, you know, they're going to see all of them, Justin Fields, whoever it is. And then basketball is literally right around the corner. And you're going to see whoever it might be, LaMelo or Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes or whoever it is just start up with a pedestrian season and all of a sudden the numbers start to go down. Injuries happen. You name it. And people are – they haven't been through this. People haven't seen it because even last year when the rookies, when he came into the season, the market was still going good, right? You know, We hadn't had this prolonged down period to lead into a season like we've had now, and, and everybody was making their bets. And I think what's going to happen is people will start to realize that you know if you're going to have your money in the market, your money should be in Gretzky and your money's in Jordan. And eventually, those Jordan prices get defended uh, because even though there's 320 of them, I think we can all agree there's probably more than 320 collectors who would want that card in their collection at a certain price. And when you start to see some of the prices that are being paid for like Davis Mills cards, you know, or Carlos Alcaraz with his one win, you know, the Jordan card is now not even that far out of out of the realm of some of these quarterback cards. I don't like comparing that way, by the way. But you have to. No, No, I mean, it's it's money in the hobby. And Carlos Alcaraz's first to market card. Yeah, but still, it means somebody spending $27,000 on it or $32,000 on it. I mean, so that, I mean, you you still have to put money in perspective, man. I don't know if someone actually spent $32,000 because it's maybe, maybe maybe not. To auction it off, somebody goes and buys it on the other end. But you well, listen. 60, let me ask you something. You have six more for sale right behind you. That you're who says? Look. Who says the card market has to go up? What do you mean? I mean, who says the the market has to be something that's up? Nobody, right? Well, I mean, why, why like, am I in this if I'm not making money? I honestly don't know. But you know that the you know, the stock market. Everybody say, "Oh, I'm going to be in the stock market. I'm going to be in it to make money." You know that if there was a a lengthy period in the 60s to the 80s where the stock market was completely flat. Yeah. I mean, the hobby has gone through periods of of years in a row where it was flat, slightly down, slightly up. And we just went through a huge boom. I think it might be ridiculous to think that 
you know, we should be looking for any area, taking our money out of this and putting it into this because that's the one. I, I, the best sentence that you've had so far is in a market like this, not losing money is winning. I think that's kind of the takeaway from this. And everybody else is kind of looking at it saying, well, I'm going to find the place to have my quick returns. Well, maybe there aren't going to be quick returns anywhere. And they're going to be quick losses. Yeah. It's – that Jordan card. Uh-huh. Would you rather own that and it's kind of like a – Yeah, shoot. Oracle question or like a 2003 game-worn – Patch auto of Jordan. That Jordan. You'd rather the 10? Yeah. Why? Because there's a lot of different patch autos of Jordan. The 03, if you're talking about LeBron, it's a different story because it's a rookie. But there are, are Jordans in 03, 04, 05. There's, you know, this this patch. But war, that 03 you know. exquisite, it, it, it has that problem. It's cool, but still. No. You, you like the apples to apples? You, yeah. you That makes you feel comfortable? Yeah. It's easy. Another I mean, the, by, by Science Lab um, from yesterday from Story Post says the cards that have held up the best. You want to take a guess? Montana and Rice. Montana and Rice. Yeah, but they haven't held up that great either. I mean, 166. Like, you know, 166. It was at 66 before then. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, listen, the Jordan card was at 100 when the Rice and Montana were at 27 and 36. So now the Jordan card's at 180, and the Montana and Rice are at 60 and 70. There's not, I mean, the, that's about the same the better kind of run-up. Yeah, two. yeah. It's a, I mean, with a smaller amount of money also. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, but they're in the same wheelhouse. You know what I mean? They're in the same, they're in the same vicinity for that you know, time. I mean, um, look. I mean, the the best return for me, part of what's what's dragging on the 86 Fleer Jordan right now is the influencer push on the star card. Part of that is because what what was amazing about the 86 Fleer Jordan for me when I originally bought into it was I love buying the card for a player. It's why I like vintage and why I can't buy Trevor Lawrence, even though I happen to like him. Because he has 173,000 different cards, right? I think he has 5,472 one of ones. You know what I mean? I'm exaggerating, but not by that much. And I don't know what the card to, for, to buy for Trevor Lawrence was. And the 86 Flair was the card. And now there is a hobby push for the star. I think that hobby push will die down after. 5,000 of them are graded when the print run was allegedly 2,000. And after these things all come out of the woodwork and everybody realizes it's not that common and people stop talking about it the same way they stop talking about F1. You know what? That's actually an interesting point. And now you got me thinking like, you know how there's all those like, there's like the horizontal shield of Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Which sells for pennies on the dollar compared yeah. to the vertical shield. And it's almost the exact same card. Yep. That's really a gambler card. Oh, yeah. And once – what did you say to me today? Those cards in the 90s, those are like – you were. how did you word it? Well, I went to a card show today, yeah. and I said that there were cards in the 90s that were in everyone's showcase. And now no one wants them. They are your your guys who are – you know, your 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 Edron James, your Marshall Falk, your Drew Bledsoe, 
Um, Steve Young. And then Steve Young, Dan Marino. You know, no one even cares about Dan Marino, John Elway. And I'm talking about like inserts and numbered cards and, you know, you know, shiny cards. And you want to do basketball. I'm talking about your Allen Iverson. Right. There were tons of Iverson rookies and cool looking cards and you name it. Right. Penny Hardaway and Chris Webber. And when I walked around shows as a teenager, that was what was inside the showcases. If I were to just stop and take a picture of those showcases and compare it, it's the same thing now. Only you have the prism red, white, and blue, yeah. prism green, prism orange of, you Mac know, Williams, Trevor Lawrence, all of these guys, yeah. Justin Herbert, whoever it is. And, and sure, there are people out there who collect Iverson and Penny Hardaway, but there are certain cards that they collect, yeah. not the hundreds of them that were out there. I have binders of Eddie Jones that no one The cards there. are going to exceed the collector base, basically. Yeah. And, and it's funny. I even went one step further. I was there with, with a friend. And we were looking at all the mid-80s baseball cards. You're like, remember, this was the card you needed to have. And it was like, you know, in a dollar bin. It was Barry Bonds and, and, and the Jose Canseco 86 tops trade. You know, I'm mean, like, you know, and you're like, wow, look at these cards. And they're buck. They're two bucks. No one cares. Same thing is going to happen, Please, man. You know how it's like the, the man with the money meets the man with the experience. The man with the experience is with the man with the money. You know that quote? Yeah. Do you think something similar happens in cards? Like uh, when that money – eventually leaves these speculative cards it eventually finds its way back to the proven assets yeah. the, the tried and true stuff yeah but right. <clears throat> what's tried and true you say oh these are cards for gamblers let me ask you well, well the jordan psa 10 is a tried and true card. but what the hell is a laundry tag well that's not a tried and true card i know so but but what is it you know what i mean like that that's part of the problem with this if the best thing you could say about your card is uh, this card is not as good as the true one of one, but it should kind of move in unison and be a fraction right. of it. What? Like, how does that make any sense? That's not the card you want. The card I'm auctioning off is um, the Mahomes one of one eye black. So they have these like it's actually pretty things. cool. I gotta say, it's I don't cool. And it's yeah. a, it's an NFL players card, but like it's a cool card. It's never the card, you know. Yeah. Like you kind of realize once you actually hold it and buy it, and you get through all that, like. I can't believe I bought this card. It's finally in my hand. I'm like, why did I buy it? You know, like those stages of grief. Yeah. Well, listen, this is my hope for the future of collectible I am and fractional. No, th that they have the items. More Muhammad Ali belts, more, um, you know, Will Chamberlain type of uniforms. Those are the items. Those are the things you want. The cards, the items. Um, Do you guys I, even I, know a hilarious play? You guys yeah. will laugh. This is not a fraction. I like it. And well, and you, I, I said my piece. I the Jordan market worries me. I, I don't feel like it's corrected yet. But I, I actually you're allowed. You brought brought a lot of good points. And then the Gretzky, um, the Gretzky, I feel is very safe. The most money I've made recently, Cage. You remember that uh, Aaron Rodgers flawless card you recommended at PWCC? Yep. Honestly, buying low grade goats and cracking them, selling them raw is where creative pricing still applies. Yeah. Because people still have that hope. Yeah. Just take a good picture and you run it through a consigner. Yeah. I mean, I mean who you – I mean, that's – Both that. of the cards I'm running tonight, um, and I obviously cracked them with the hope to to regrade, but then you look at them and you realize they're not. The Kobe Row Zero that I bought for 508 is already at 521 with 20 minutes left, and the Aaron Rodgers, which I bought for 90 – is at 117. That's the money. Rogers had a good game. 
today. I mean, he beat Brady. I mean, I want to call it a good game. I mean, I but said it's funny how remember in our prediction show. Yeah, well, that's what happens. In our prediction show, I said neither of those teams will score 20. Incredible call. They should have, except they kept fumbling. A lot of field goals. That's what happens. Those the, the, good defenses, good defenses, and and broken offenses. So you know, listen before we before we run the top three gainers this week. I already mentioned one: the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, exquisite dual logo man auto. It's the type of card that collectible should have. It's the type of card you should you should only be able to get on here. This is one where uh, you know if it had a little attention, I could see this one being a buyout candidate. I mentioned it to Andrew last week. We don't own any of it. Obviously, you know what we own. Inextricably connected to each other. Just a cool card a cool dual logo autos nice autos on the card it's a bgs9 it's a one of one just a nice card and again same same kind of thing up 63 percent the jordan magic lebron 05 sp triple authentic signatures bgs95 also up 62 percent was the michael jordan 86 clear rookie bgs95 basket times two um you know based on andrew's line of reasoning and the recent pricing i wouldn't be surprised to see that one move in the other direction in the coming week, um, you know, just being real, it's up. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if next week we're talking about that one in the top three decliners. Um, one of the cards we did talk about last week, and I asked you about it, and you said Meh. the Cristiano Ronaldo O2 Panini Portugal sticker rookie in PSA 10 was down 58% because of the lukewarm reaction Andrew gave it when we talked about it. Andrew moves markets, folks, he is a market mover. Down 58%, Ozzie Smith, 79 tops, rookie BVG95. Um, Beckett slabs for vintage cards usually don't do well. Um, you know, a lot of vintage is kind of moving down. Um, even mantle stuff slightly, you know. I mean, we talked about it on our show this week. You know, my my uh, mantle 5, which you thought was, wow, it's gone 5X. It's a $200,000 car. Remember, there was a mantle SGC 5 that sold for, what, $300,000? Well, a mantle 5 just sold for 134000 PSA 5. Not SGC 5. A PSA 5 sold for 134000 So is it really up 5X or is it up 2.5X in the last three years? Things move. Things move in different directions. Even though Mantle is one of those ones that I always talk about as always going up. Clearly, if you bought a Mantle a couple of months ago and and you know are looking to sell it now, you might actually be down on Mantle. Some of the recent Mantle buyers were not Mantle collectors. Yep. Um, a really cool card you do not care about because you think he is uh, just somebody who does yoga. Eddie Plank, his T two o six. Uh, sweet capital PSA four. This was part of, you know, when I was a kid, this card was talked about with the Wagner. They were the two rarities of, of the tobacco cards of the monster set, the T206. Uh, the plank is down 36%. Obviously somebody looked to take their, you know, little money, took their position out of that. And that was down 36%. We talked about the two auction results. Um, you know, there'll be, there'll be more to kind of talk through. We, we talked about obviously the Michael Jordan that sold, um, on golden, uh, the PSA 10, which sold for 173. So that's a down um, number. There's BGS that sold for lower also, which is why I'm not you know so confident on the, the BGS basket uh, that's on here. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we t- you talked about the Wilt buyout. Uh, you mentioned the Tatum gold. You know, there's only 21% of the Tatum flawless gold RPA BGS 9.5. Uh, there's only uh, about 20% of that remaining with a market cap of $56,000. Um, 
It's tough. I think we remember that the PSA 10 was 50 at one point. Yeah. One thing I'll one thing I'll leave that I learned recently was I'll, I'll ask you, first five Hall of Famers in baseball. You know? Who the uh the initial five? Was it it was Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, um Walter Johnson? Uh three. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel like a real idiot when I don't get this. Is it is it Nap Lajway? Was he in the first five? Christy um, Matheson. Christy Matheson, yeah. And then Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner, yeah. Okay. I think Lajway stayed around and was like managing and stuff, so maybe they kept him in there. But yeah, I mean that's Christy Matheson, Honus Wagner. Nice. Just pretty cool to know. First five. First five baseball Hall of Famers. That's another fractional report. Any final words? No, I mean listen, we're having uh we're having a lot of fun with this stuff. What about just a question for you. Any basketball stuff that you would look at in the lead up to the season? Anything, you know, anything that you see out there. There's one card that I will bring some attention to we don't own. But you guys know I think LeBron is a, a buy leading into the season. Um, there's a cool one that uh, IPO'd at um, – I think it IPO'd at, at – um, at 20, the share price on this one. It's the emblems of a, of endorsement. Uh, the 04 emblems of endorsement, the, the LeBron autograph. Uh, what the heck did it go down to? I'll have to try to pull that one up. Yeah, here we go. It's, it's been down the last two weeks. And this is a, this is one that, um, I think it started at like, uh, what was it? 10,000 shares. And 20 was the IPO. It's been, you know, in the 15, 16, 14, 16, back up to 20 in secondary. Two weeks ago, if you looked at this card, it was trading at fifteen dollars a share. Last week, down to eleven oh two. This week, down to eight dollars and forty one cents a share. So I don't know if that's just you know an exit on the card or you know people looking to get out of it. If it was a one week move from fifteen to eight forty one, you'd see it on the decliner list. But because it's it's spread out over two weeks, it's kind of hidden. But it's almost lost half of its value in the last two weeks in a market cap just to share. Um, you know, um, you know, top of it, but take a look. LeBron James 04 exquisite emblems of endorsement. It's a BGS nine, pretty cool looking card that has, you know, has really come down a little bit. And I guess the question for you is basketball besides LeBron, anybody look at Durant is Durant going to have a little bit of a turnaround. So sold off. I mean, the guy I'm looking at, I think Jordan Poole and Garland have a pretty good years. I think Embiid. Um, I think Giannis has a good year. I, LeBron is interesting, man. I'm, I, I almost feel LeBron's there for the accolades, and I'm wondering if they're priced in. I, I still think they have a very good team, though. Like I, I think we're underrating Anthony Davis and how good he is when he's healthy. If he stays healthy. Yeah. He's, a, he's a fantastic player. And with a healthy Anthony Davis, I, I can see this team as a top three seed. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, I think that would surprise a lot of people, top three seed, but it is still LeBron, right? It is still, I mean, are they, uh, is Westbrook coming off the bench? Are they finally going to put him in the That's role the you want him to be That's the thing. There's in? so much uncertainty, right? Like, how do, you pr- how do you quantify how good AD will be? Because we know him at New Orleans, he was an MVP candidate, but we also have seen him in street clothes. Westbrook, we've seen him as like an Oscar Robertson stats, and then we've seen the worst of him. LeBron, is he there to, to break the scoring record or is he there to win championships? What's he got left in the tank, right? So as an investor, you know this. Anytime you have too many questions, it, it, 
the confidence level comes down with each right. question. Nobody likes uncertainty. Right. So it's that that's kind of my analysis. And I think you guys could take that and run with it in any way you want to. Yeah. No, I like it. I think LeBron is the play right now. I think, you know, the downside for him is, you know, is is about as low as it can be. You guys know I bought some LeBron cards. Um, but it also depends which which LeBron card you're in. Correct. Because don't forget, LeBron has a ton of cards. Like a ton. Yeah. So, you know, the, your um, refractor in a PSA 10 or a BGS 10, I, I do feel like that's leveled off. That's found its floor at that 58, 52, 55 mark, right? Yep. Yep. But then you have these offshoot cards where. Are you able to pull up a card or no? If you're not, don't worry about it. Because this is one last one I just wanted to, to take a look at because it falls in. It's, I would feel bad if I did this two weeks in a row, right? At the end, we ended and I was like, oh, look at this LeBron. I'm, look at this Magic Bird, you know, dual one-on-one. I think this would be a cool card. And then now we get the data and it's, it's up. It's the number one up card. This, then you see there was another like LeBron auto you know, that went up. And obviously people were looking at these autos. There's a card that if you could take a look at, that would be great. It's only a BGS seven, but I think there's only 10 of them. It's the 07. So 2007 upper deck black quad auto. And it has Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, and magic all auto numbered out of 10. It's a BGS seven. Um, but this is a if you if you can if you can find I know it's a little wonky it's a little bit of a you know it takes a little bit of time to find this one but I'm pretty sure this one IPO'd at what was it five and there were twenty four thousand three hundred shares I think um, so I think the IPO on this one was about one hundred and twenty hundred and twenty something thousand dollars on this card and okay uh, okay. So you take a look at the chart. Card, right? I mean, just a cool card, right? Either you like it or you don't, right? It's black, right? It's a, it's, it is, but it's cool. It has four autos of like the four guys. Um, doesn't have like Kevin Garnett snuck in there. Like Magic is like the lowest end auto. But last week, two dollars and fifteen cents down to one fifty one a share. So this is this is now a quad auto numbered mm -hmm. out of ten. Thirty six thousand dollar market cap and this is when i think ipo to like one hundred twenty thousand. if i'm not mistaken i mean you can you can take a look at it. i think it was five uh dollars a share and 24 three so just a cool card you don't see too many you know kobe lebron jordan magic all four autos on on one card and definitely not at a price point like this so it was just one that stuck out for me and i would feel like an idiot if we came on next week and this was, you know, a card that was kind of moving up and I'm like, Oh, I forgot to mention that one too. So anyway, it's just one that, you know, that I noticed, uh, I don't recall like a, a sell off on, um, you know, there's, there are a few of them. So anyway, got to tip my hat to cage guys. All you guys that are part of the whatnot show on Sunday mornings. We don't give plays. We don't really give picks. I don't at all. We give you guys analysis, and Cage puts in hours. Yesterday, he was on Jay Lee Live till basically like midnight. Yeah. Better going to sleep, even though you know he's going to the show with the kids today. The dude went and put in tons of research to like, hey, by the way, the Jets are playing from behind. In the last two games, Flacco has over 50 attempts. The, the attempts are at sitting at 35 and a half. This looks like an opportunity to take a look. Damn. Cordell Patterson over rushing. I mean, the, the – we, he beat really, that by we, almost 100 yards. <laughs> we put in, trying to put in a ton of work for you guys yeah. to help you 
get, like I said, to third base so that you could take it home. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, nah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.